Hi, this is Christy, and in a few moments you'll meet Karen, and we are The Modern Principal, two elementary principals on a quest to redefine the role of leadership in our schools. This week, we have our first ever guest on the podcast, the one and only coaching and professional development expert, Elena Aguilar. We'll chat all things PD and her new book, co-written with Lori Cohen, aptly titled The PD Book. Thanks for joining us. And so we are so excited. Yeah, we to... don't take this guest lightly. We nope. only picked the one and only. That can be our first <laughs> yes. guest. So we would like to introduce you to Elena Aguilar. Hello. Hi, I'm so excited to be your first guest. I'm so excited for this conversation. Thank yeah, you for it, joining us. We didn't know what we were waiting for. And then it was you. It was you to be our first guest. <laughs> Me. Yay. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. Yes, and you have a new book coming out, right? I do, the PD book. So we are here to talk about all things PD. Yep. So let's hit it off. We always start with witty banter. And so let's try to hit it off with some of your either best or worst PD experiences. Okay, so when I read that question, <laughs> a an experience flashed before my mind and oh. I don't know why it's not in the book and honestly I actually think I blocked it from my memory it's a story about an experience oh, in which I just struggled so much so it was about 15 years ago I was an instructional coach and I was co-facilitating a beginning of the year retreat and we were doing all this work with teachers around developing community agreements or norms and yeah. equity. There was a really huge and disturbing equity gap at the school. And we were trying to get teachers to buy into looking at these issues and kind of to just to relating to each other differently. And basically there was so much pushback. There was so much resistance. And the principal of the school was really struggling. He actually left after that year. And so looking back, I realized he was kind of checking out. So uh -huh. basically what happened was like, I took the brunt of the resistance uh -huh. and it felt really personal. And I felt like I was under attack. And I just had this flash of, this is so, I feel still kind of embarrassed to say this, but I'm sure other people have experienced this, but there was a moment in that retreat when I was literally, it was before the day started. I was with the other coaches. I was on the floor crying oh. and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do another day of this. And it was just looking back now, I really realized how unprepared I was, how much I didn't know, how I was taking it so personally just, and the situation was really challenging, but I can see now also all the mistakes I made. And I was remembering this and I was like, oh, if I had only had the PD book, maybe <laughs> that day or maybe two months before I could have really avoided a lot of resistance. Yeah. I could have had different ways of thinking about what was happening you know, it would have been cathartic at least to have the book and realize, okay, so much of what I'm going through is normal. Yes. Um, but yeah, that, I don't know. I just like that memory flashed before my eyes. And I was like, Ooh, wow. Okay. I'm 
love that you shared a worst memory because that's something that I feel like we try to do on the podcast uh-huh. is to normalize failure uh-huh. and normalize the hardships of the job. So and, we appreciate that. And PT is something that is it, professional development for those non-teachers out there, um, which is like one person, maybe, <laughs> maybe Christy's husband that listens. Um, it's just one of those things that you are very vulnerable because you designed it. It's from your brain and your heart and you are standing in front of people. Like it's, it's a lot more stressful than teaching in front of a classroom. And every adult that has done it always kind of feels those range of emotions of like, oh my gosh, I'm on display. And so it's nice. It's nice to hear that even you fail sometimes. <laughs> oh. But you know what? I failed so many times. And now I look back at it and I'm like, I've written so many books about all my failures. <laughs> I've learned so much from all of those, from you yeah, know, yeah. trying to coach and trying to coach for equity and trying to, you know, and the thing about PD is that coaches and principals are not taught how to do PD. That's yeah. not right. Like we can talk about principal PD, which is usually a lot of meetings in which you're not necessarily learning, no, but no, you're yeah. updates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But you don't learn how to teach adults. And yeah, they're really different from teaching kids. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, that leads us right into kind of one of our very first questions are what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see? Because you've worked with a lot of buildings, a lot of building principles. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see building principles make when they plan or execute PD? Yeah, great question. I would say they try to squeeze too much into too little time. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done that? Karen always talks about her first year's principal and you had what, like, 23 bullets, 23 bullets. (laughs) Um, Because I was mentoring a principal this year and I looked at his agenda and it was pretty tight for his first PD. And I was like, oh, let me go look at mine. And I was like, oh my gosh, first year. (laughs) 23 things, guys, in two and a half hours. We're going to Yes. Yep, exactly. I I mean, I, I have to say, I still do this sometimes. But yes, principals, I think the thing is that principals really are under so much pressure. Yes. to do so much, to cover so much, to, you know, principals are seeing the range and the scope of what needs to happen in a school. And so on those agendas, there's too many outcomes, too many goals, and not enough time for folks to practice the skills, wow. to internalize the new learning. And so, you know, if we think about effective PD changes practice, otherwise, like, what's the point of PD and helps people do something differently, think differently, become more skilled at serving children. But in order to do that, you have to have time to practice new skills. And so this is about really ensuring that the PD is founded in adult learning theory in neuroscience, rather than like, we just have so much to get through. So yeah, I would say that's the That's the biggest mistake. Well, in so much of your work around coaching, that is professional development. And like principals need to think about PD is more than just a set time where you don't have students and you have staff in a room. It is the comprehensive approach that you have for the whole year of how you plan to grow and reach your goals. And I think you do a wonderful job of outlining some of those ways to do that in your book. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is to think about to actually define PD and the structures in which PD can happen. It's not just the Wednesday afternoon from 130 to three. Right, right. It can happen in your PLCs. It can happen in um, coaching cycles, all of those kind of moments. 
Yeah, I love that you have a list in um, your book that talks about like, you were at a PD one time that wasn't very effective. You weren't leading it. And you started a list of all the things not to do. Yes. <laughs> so my favorite pet peeve is on there. Treat adults like children. That's oh, the yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I know I can't. Um, but also I really liked the tell them things they can't do. And I think that that one's really hard for leaders to not fall into that <laughs> trap of the, what, what it should look like and what it shouldn't. I think I've been at PDs like that. Oh, we all have. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that really comes back to let's slow down a little bit and actually get really clear on what is PD, what is PD and perhaps even considering what is transformative PD what is the, how are we thinking about motivating people? What do we think is the purpose of PD? So, yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about transformative PD. How would you define that? That's super interesting. I think most simply, I would say that when we talk about, I talk about and write about transformational coaching as a professional development vehicle that explores and perhaps shifts behaviors, beliefs, and ways of being. And so it's holistic, it's comprehensive. It's not just about do this now, but it's let's surface and explore the reasons why we need to do this and who we will be if we do this. So it's really acknowledging and incorporating all aspects of who we are, including our emotions, including our desire for leaving a legacy. So just much more expansive. You, I can't remember which chapter it was, but you had mentioned like, and it was just a perfect question to ask your participants if you are doing a workshop style PD of how do you want to feel when you leave or what do you hope you'll say when you leave this session? And I just thought that was such a brilliant way to start because what better way to get people to really start to think about shifting their mindset and shifting their behaviors. That was, I really liked that. Yeah. And jumping around a little bit in our, even, we don't ever stick to our outline, ever, but, ever, but Not I, even for Elena, <laughs> but my, I'm happy to jump. It feels my, more authentic. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing about your work is you're one of the authors, um, one of the rare authors I find that really talks about how emotions are connected yes. to the work we do. And you really define the various emotions that people feel when you push them, <laughs> when you question them. And there's guys in chapter two, that that's the chapter on emotions. And there's, you have kind of like a almost a self-reflection tool and how you feel about these like statements. And one of them is emotions are annoying. <laughs> Hands raised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find that really interesting because a lot of times um, when I, when I've led PD, I'll think in my head like, oh, that's a tough crowd. And I'll kind of just leave it at that. But it's really interesting to kind of think about all of the different ranges of emotions and experiences that people come by. I just really like that. Can you talk a little bit more about how, I don't know, how that work became so instrumental to what you do, emotions sure. and how, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I want to, you know, acknowledge that a lot of leaders, a lot of administrators have that same, like, emotions are annoying. There's something we have to deal with. We have to, 
And again, I want to acknowledge or perhaps recognize that underneath that statement, there are emotions, perhaps a frustration or feeling overwhelmed, feeling like the responsibility you have is tremendous. And then you have someone who's all upset and it's like, that was 15 minutes and I have so much more to do. And that means I'm not going to be going to bed until, you know, and so, yeah, it's the role of a principal is just incredibly challenging. Um, I've actually coached more principals than I have teachers and have tremendous empathy. And I love working with principals. Um, But the question was, oh, emotions, because we're human beings and we have emotions and they show up right in ourselves and in other people. Part Mm -hmm. of me is definitely has felt like, yeah, I wish we didn't have to deal with them. I'd be able to write a whole lot more books. I'd probably get more done. I could probably, you know, but here they are again, they just keep popping up and they pop up in others. And we often experience them as obstacles, right? As things we have to deal with. And I think the big paradigm shift for us is thinking about emotions as our friends, as actually a resource to cultivating resilience, to creating schools where people thrive, where they want to stay, where they feel connected, where they feel like they are self-realizing or fulfilling their legacy. And so there is, there are so many ways in which we can access the wisdom and the power of emotions and make them things that are on our side. But we have such a contentious relationship, sort of culturally, historically, that we're just missing out on an opportunity, really. Yes. I especially appreciated your part about uh, the decolonization of emotions and, and just the impact that society has put on the reactions that people have if they question what that says about them based on their identities, or if they have, if they cry, how that's viewed based on their identity. And I just think that like, it's all information. Mm -hmm. If we're the ones attaching the, the feeling to it, the The ickiness to it, the stigma. Yeah. I just, Yeah, I think it's something that it would help principals not feel as um, like personally attacked for things if they start to use, like you were saying, emotions as feedback and information. Yeah, and it's and principals have to, you know, they have their own emotions and then they sort of are in the face of so many other people's emotions as well. Little people, big people, all people, there's just so many emotions and they're always so present um, when you're in a position of leadership, you often experience more of them. And, and there are so many strategies and so many ways for us to shift our relationship and then to shift the stories that we tell about emotions. And that's where the connection to emotions being colonized. So we think certain emotions, I never talk about emotions being good or bad. There are some that are uncomfortable or unpleasant, and there are some that are more comfortable, but they're all just information. And then when we start saying, uh, you know, we start attaching value and judgment and meaning onto anger is bad, or this is good, or when these people express this kind of emotion, it means that that's when we can talk about this idea of emotions being colonized, and it gets more complicated, more problematic, and less empowering. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. One thing that we have talked a lot about, and I think we even talked to you about it with your some of your coaching books, is the idea that the principal does have positional power. And so there's always kind of that, okay, I want to be in a coaching role with this teacher right now, but I'm also their supervisor. And so you did talk a lot about power in the PD book as well. And so can you elaborate more on that? Like, are we 
always drawing from power or when you talked about those six types of power were you are they just existing but we're not always drawing on them can you tell us a little bit more about how the principles roll in pd and power and how those interplay yeah thanks for asking about that so this book is based on seven habits that you can learn that will allow you to design and deliver transformative professional development and I do want to remind folks that this book, I co-wrote it with Lori Cohen. This chapter on power is one that we got so much feedback on from early readers as being really helpful because there's nothing else um, in literature around doing PD that talks about power. So we're talking about social power in this chapter and between people, whenever there are people together, whenever there's more than one person around, then power is present. And so power is not inherently good or bad, but yeah, when we're around others, then we're always in relationship to power and perhaps drawing from it, which is why it's really critical to be clear on what kind of power you're drawing from. So for example, relational power comes from interpersonal skills, comes from being trusted or respected. So for example, let's say a kid in the cafeteria throws a some trash towards the trash can and misses and clearly sees that she misses the trash can and just turns and walks away. So that beloved school custodian who has been there forever and treats everyone so kindly, when that custodian asks the student to pick up the trash, the student does so because of that relationship, right? So that's drawing on relational power. But let's say someone else, like a teacher, sees the student and says, you know, pick up that trash. I saw you drop that young lady. You don't want to get a referral, do you? That is drawing on coercive power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe the principal is present and the principal may only need to just give the child a look and the kid goes over and picks up the trash. And that's because the principal is just drawing on positional power on their authority, right? So there's always different kinds of power that we can draw from. And in the book, um, we describe these six types of power. And your question about getting clear on what kind of power you're drawing from is really important to reflect on. So I would ask you and maybe your listeners, just think of a moment in the last few weeks when you try to influence someone. That could be a student, a teacher, a parent, and think about what you what you drew on to try to influence them. Was it the relationship you have with them? Was it knowledge or experience that you have or information you have? Is it just the fact that you are the principal? There isn't like a right or wrong. There's just awareness. And starting with your subjective sense of, I, I think I was drawing from my relationship. I think I have a really good relationship with that teacher. That's a starting place. Now, the teacher might think, oh, you were just drawing from your positional power. It's complicated. But for folks who are really interested in transforming organizations and systems, and again, in creating organizations where people thrive and where they stay, exploring power gets at the heart of a lot of what's going on. Makes a lot of sense as you're, as you're planning professional development and, and yeah, thinking about where you are drawing from, whether you're presenting or whether you're helping to just 
plan and whether you're acquiring it and how you're evaluating it. <laughs> yeah. So as you bring, so this might be a silly question, but as you're getting that awareness about your power, what do you do then? Are you, do we want to lean more towards that relational power? Is that the, is that what our goal is? That's such an important question. I mean, that's just that that's the key, right? It's like you can have awareness, but what do you do with it? And how do you use that awareness to make decisions? Again, there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. If you see a teacher screaming at a child, I hope you use your your positional power, right? I hope you use coercive power to say, you do not scream at children in our school. This is going in your file, whatever it is that you say, right? Like, or maybe you, you know, maybe you're not just going to draw on that kind of power, but it's about having the awareness of what are you leveraging at what point towards what end. And so that's, it's this reflective process that ultimately can allow you to be the leader that you want to be. That's really good. It's really deep. I know, I I know. We're, like, we're really <laughs> reflecting on that right now. <laughs> I know it is. It, this is probably like the, this chapter is probably the one that's the densest and the most um, challenging, but it really, you know, some of the other chapters are around how do you ensure that everybody knows exactly what time to show up and where and have all the details. Right. But so there's a balance in these habits. I, I definitely noticed that as going through the book. So if you are, when, you are listening. If you're listening right now, you're listening. I was going to say, so if you're listening to the podcast, yeah, right? <laughs> no, you're actively listening. You heard that. Um, but that is one of the wonderful things is that she, you um, definitely talk about those deep structures um, that are a part of professional development and some of the more shallow, you know, logistical components, I guess. Um, but you do it in such a way that it's just so balanced and a comprehensive book that addresses all components of professional development. So good. So mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it is those logistical things are like, I am, I remember years ago, I started planning, I was with a group of coaches and we were planning a summer Institute for principals. And it was a week long thing on developing leadership teams. And there were, I think five of us were planning it. We sat down and in my mind, I was immediately starting to think about like, okay, what are the outcomes we want? And one of my teammates who I adore said, so do we want to have lunch at 1130 or 12? And I was like, wow. And what she, <laughs> it was important. And she said, she's like, well, we need to set up catering right away. I mean, we need to make sure we can get caterers. And so I, you know, I was like, oh yeah, that is really important for us to make that decision now. You know, whereas I probably would have been like two days before, like, oh, did we order any lunch? <laughs> like <laughs> I know the power and the outcomes and yes. Yeah, so good. Both um, important. Both are important. Okay, so we probably have time for one more question-ish, unless you just want to talk to us all night because we will <laughs> gladly take that. But um, we both really also enjoyed the chapter that talked about like current conditions and gaps and that kind of thing. Um, so right now, this is what we hear from a lot of principals. We just talked about this in our doctoral class on Saturday that with the pandemic this year, teachers just feel saturated. And there was a, a pretty interesting debate in our class about teachers needed more time and we've kind of removed some of those whole gatherings and PD because we wanted to honor their stress and their, but some people argued in our class that like, we're actually doing them a disservice because that's what they need um, to feel good about their work. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on like the current place that 
our teacher's mental health is at and how to work through that condition with planning PD and making sure it's meaningful. And you, yeah, like you said, using those emotions um, as mm-hmm. a good thing rather than our enemy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a really important question. And I know it's one for a lot of principals are asking and leaders. And, you know, the first thing is there's no right answer. You're going to have people who won't like whatever it is you do and others who will. And really that is in some ways, the suggestion I have is ask the people what they want, ask staff. So you're trying to figure out what's best, ask them what they think would be helpful, what ideas they have. It's always helpful to ask the people that you're serving about their own needs, But also, I think we need to shift the way we think about PD into being something that doesn't drain us, but actually something that fills us. Mm -hmm. And so when we're learning meaningful content and we understand why we're learning something, how it's connected to our purpose, how it's connected to our school's vision, people come into teaching because they have some bigger vision, right? They want to support a mission to educate all young people or something along those lines. And when we can see how what we're doing in this PD session will allow us to do that, it's going to be energizing. And so this is, you know, learning is a way to build resilience. It's something I write about in my book Onward. It's one of the chapters. And whether we're providing PD at the start of the day or the end of the day, a Monday or Friday or August before school starts or June after it ends, we're always going to be contending with limited energy. It always feels like, uh, you know, it never feels like this is the right time. And there's always going to be someone who's like, oh, you know, my kids are out of school for the summer and now I can, or it's going to be, so there's always something. So one way we can respond to that reality is by making PD into an experience that just has more joy than what we've typically experienced. And that's why one of the core ideas in our book is encapsulated in this question that we ask, which is how can PD be more like a party? So we invite readers to think about how PD could be meaningful and rigorous and also fun, something that allows us to connect to ourselves, allows us a moment to pause and to slow down and to connect with others, to connect with our passion, our sense of purpose. And so I think PD could actually be a place where people are energized and rejuvenated and where they can process some of the last couple of years of the challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point about, I think sometimes principals think like, I'll just put a quick team builder at the front and that'll energize them for the day. (laughs) And like, I think that your point about like, Connecting to your purpose is also energizing, like reminding people of their passion, celebrating these small victories in your classroom. I was reminded that I, I haven't devoted enough time to celebrating in the past few months and I can kind of feel that energy in my building. And so that's one thing I'm going to do tomorrow is just like be really intentional, but that's Mm. a way that you can build that energy in that party. Yeah. And learning, right? Like that's why we're in education because also, because we love learning. We know when you're within your ZPD, you know, when you're learning and it's rigorous and challenging, but not too hard, it can be really energizing, exciting, and fun. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely should be. Yeah. Great. Listeners, you can't see us, but Karen and I just have huge smiles plastered on our faces. <laughs> it's just like, we are just learning and growing yes, in this yes. 20 minutes. We're we in our it. ZPD. Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> So tell us just a few more logistics. When's the book coming out? Where can listeners buy it? 
Yes, great. So it is out on May 24th. And we really, really, really appreciate pre-orders. It's one of these things that pre-orders enable the book to actually get much farther and much faster. So we're pleading with folks, we know you want this book. And so we also have um, sort of gifts for folks who pre-order and you can find out about those on our website and that is brightmorningteam.com. And so for folks who pre-order, they'll get access to special sessions with Lori and myself. And yes. I didn't know that and I'm already pre-ordered. You get that, yay. <laughs> you get it then. Yeah, so we're hoping to entice people to pre-order because it really does make a difference for authors. Um, and yeah, it'll be available everywhere that books are sold about, I think about a couple of months after the paper copy comes out, there'll be an audio version. So, and then on my podcast, on the Bright Morning Podcast, we have a month of content coming up starting in May, where we'll dig into these ideas a little bit, where there's an episode where I'm reading most of the introduction. So folks can also get a taste of it on my podcast. That's amazing. Well, thank you. So we always end our podcast with just a little tidbit from the desk of the modern principal. So if you had to share one quote or one tidbit to leave our listeners with Elena, what would it be? I just want to encourage people to spend more time imagining and dreaming and envisioning how things could be. Cause I think we spent a lot of time in reactive mode and in like, Oh, this is how it's always been. This is what I have to do. But just starting with like, what if it could be different? What if things could be different? What if they could be better? And that's, you know, and they really can, but it has to start as an idea in our mind because our ideas are what become a reality. It all starts in our mind. So start imagining something different, more joyful, more easier, more connected. Start there. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much to Elena Aguilar for joining us. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Uh You can get more at The Modern Principal on Instagram or themodernprincipal.com and be sure to check out all things Elena and Bright Morning Team. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was really fun. Hey.